Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your host, Jamal Tanner. Hello and welcome to the 56th edition of the MTO Podcast. We're going to talk a little All-Star Weekend, some NBA, get into some college basketball, and see what the hell's going on with baseball. So a lot of basketball talk. Let's go ahead and start uh, with the dunk contest. Should be everybody's favorite event. Didn't seem like people loved it this year. First, I'll ask, what were your thoughts of the dunk contest? And then we'll we'll elaborate from there. So just tell me what you thought of the dunk contest. All right. I mean, it wasn't the best. I We've definitely had better dunk contests, but I don't believe it was a bad, as bad as everybody made it out to be on Twitter. I think, uh, you know, Twitter sometimes becomes a mob mentality, and I think one becomes a, a whole ton really fast, and I think that's what happened Saturday night with the dunk contest. I think a lot of people were disappointed with the way it played out, but, you know, we saw some good dunks from Obi Toppin. I was really impl- uh, impressed with some of the dunks he had. A lot of creativity, some of the uh, some dunks I hadn't seen before. I think, you know, we got to talk about that, too. There, Duncan isn't one of those things where, like, you can kind of get more and more creative. Like, you're going to run out of ideas if you're not able to bring props and other things into the picture, you know, uh, a.k.a. like Carrot Top and such. So if you're just going out there having to do regular, regular dunks with a basketball and you can't put, like, a cupcake on top of the rim to blow it out, like Gerald Green, and you can't bring out mascots like Aaron Gordon, then, you know, you're going to start to see some redundant dunks and you're not going to see some newer stuff. It's, you know, you can't bring a trampoline out and start doing, you know, acrobatic stuff. So I do think it's getting harder and harder for the dunk uh, dunk contest to kind of keep its uh, freshness and make us, you know, nostalgia for the days of Vince Carter or Michael Jordan, or Dominique Wilkins, or Spud Webb, or even a Nate Robinson. So I just think that we kind of got to, you know, simmer our expectations for the dunk contest and just realize that these things are hard to do. And, you know, these guys are trying their best still. You know, I'm not trying to give a participation award out for everybody and such, but it it is hard to do. So I just think it was getting killed. A lot of guys were getting killed. And I think it, you know, it was an okay dunk contest, pretty much. It, like I said, it wasn't the best. I'm sure it probably wasn't the worst if you go dig up some dunk contests in the past. So I think it was okay. I'm starting to think you're just a contrarian at this point because we watched the Super Bowl and you're telling me not impressed. Nope, just it was just close. It wasn't good. But then you watch the dunk contest. And you're like, yo, it was alright. You know, they was out here trying. Like as if like I was like I don't know where you're at with these things. Like. Let's figure out one or the other. Like, like where where you live right now, bro? Because you you all over the place with that. They was killing. They was killing dudes on there. And I guess I have sympathy because they were getting killed. And I'm like, yo, half y'all motherfuckers already can't dunk. So you're talking a lot of shit for a lot of people that can't dunk. So I'm just. But the football thing is like you know, it's, it's the highest level. I just I don't know. I. I just saw a lot of people talking about shit that ain't never barely touched net. So I was just a little fence trying to help the taller brothers out. They don't need much help, but I got their back. 
you know, there's a couple things that you said that I actually agree with. I was just giving you a hard time. Um, it's hard now because you can't do the dunks that I've already been seeing. Nobody wants to see between the legs again. They're like, okay, whatever. Like, you need to do something different. And at some point, it's a ball, it's a 10-foot hoop, and creativity is going to run out at some point. Like, it's it's not easy to do. Or if you do have that creativity, you're trying to do some extra stuff that hasn't been done before, you're going to see a lot of misses. And that's what happened in in this dunk contest is there was a lot of misses and a lot of time wasted and people felt like they wanted to see it. So it kind of reminded me of when the home run derby was kind of losing its, its luster for a little while. And I was like, well, how did they bring that back? And then I thought about it and I was like, they just got stars to get into it. But also with the home run derby, a home run's a home run. It doesn't have to be different. It just got to go over the fence. Right. So that's not really like you can, as long as you get names that people want to see, they're going to hit bombs and you're going to be good. Now, some of them are going to go farther than others, but ultimately, we just want to see a dinger. We can't just see a dunk, you know what I mean, the dunk contest. We got to see something brand new. So it's harder to bring that creativity and that energy level with the dunk contest because we don't want to see it between the legs. Like, we want to see something crazy. We want to see something different. Now, I think there's ways that you can do something like a between the legs and people like it. Like, could have put on that Kobe 8 and then did it between the legs. Like, that probably could have got some people going because, you know, that nostalgia factor. But for the most part, it's really difficult to do a lot of new dunks. But if there's ever going to be a way to save the dunk contest, they got to find a way to get big names in these contests. And so my next question to you is, how do you how do you go about getting the John Morant's? I was going to say Aaron Gordon, but there's no damn way he comes back to it after Wade gave him that nine. So, um Getting the John Morant's at some point, I'm guessing Zion Williamson will be healthy, getting him in it, um, getting the guys we want to see, how do we get them in the slam dunk contest and make them care about it? Because right now, I don't feel like they care about it. You either got to put a prize on it, which, I mean, it's probably going to involve money, but I mean, these guys already have money, so how much do you have to put that prize up for the bigger stars to get in, in it? But I don't know. I don't. I think it's past that point where you kind of get the big names in. I think that time has kind of come and gone. I think what you're going to get is mostly like rookies and second year guys that are going to, you know, put on the line to be in that. I think like I'm trying to think the last time, I guess, was it Blake Griffin would have been like the last time a major star who was kind of young too was in a dunk contest. But since Blake, I don't think really any of the younger cats kind of get into it, you know, wish we could have seen Zion a couple of years back. Like you're saying, John Moran, I think that time is basically probably come and gone. I just don't know if we're really going to get those guys anymore in those, like, back in the day when you would have a star-studded feel like a Clyde Drexler and a Michael Jordan, a Dominique Wilkins. Like, you're never going to see a dunk, dunk contest feel like that again. Like, that's just, that's just not going to happen. So I, I think those days are over. Do you think it would be interesting if we brought like G League affiliates and then just make them sign just a dunker <laughs> and then we get to see like just people that's all they do? Because at the end of the day, like if we're not going to get the stars, then we need people that are going to be executing these dunks. And with the way the NBA is kind of moving, the the premium right now is shooting, right? Like that's what gets you in the league. If you're just a leaper, like 
James White ain't making the NBA in today's iteration. Like he was in the NBA because he could jump for the free throw line and do a windmill. And they were like, we like athleticism, right? But now we want you to be able to shoot from the logo. Like that's the, what gets you in the league. So while we're having this transition, do you think it would be worthwhile to allow like G leaguers to, to be in the dunk contest? Cause I know some of them dudes get up, up, up. So like, would that be, do you think they would still generate interest? Like, Probably not initially because people don't know the names, but once you start seeing the dunks, then it's like, oh, okay, well, that was different. Because, like, do you think that would be a way to create more intrigue for this? I mean, I'll go a step further. If they really want to keep the dunk contest around, just make it kind of like open, like tryouts for the most part. Like, I know you got to, I know you're wanting to have NBA players, maybe have a couple, but have some dudes off the street because I've seen some pretty impressive dunks on Twitter before. Like, I have some of these dudes that all they do is dunk who I've seen their heads go above the rim. Have them in the dunk contest, you know. I've heard a lot of people wanting to move the three-point shooting contest to the last event of the night anyway. You can now move your three-point shooting contest to the last event of the night. You put the uh, slam dunk contest in the middle because you're now going to have some NBA players, some not NBA players. And I think you can bring the quality of the event back up. I know it might not be sexy having names that you haven't heard of or that aren't in the NBA, but then, you know, those people get some shine. And then I think we... I think that's the only way it's going to get better. You have to have guys that all they do is dunk and make the creative dunks, and that's going to maybe bring the L, you know, bring some other guys in the NBA to raise their game, or they just get out dunked by some dudes that all they do is dunk, and you still get your entertainment. So, to me, that's the only way you can uh, get it back to that where you have uh, good creative dunks, dudes doing these crazy things where you see them throwing it up and spinning, catching it between their like I've seen some crazy dunks on Twitter. Like, bring some of them dudes up, and we can have a good show. I'm thinking, they could, you remember the show, like, the Pros vs. Joes show? Like, they could really do that for this dunk contest and just have, like, eat, like, have three Joes and three Pros and have, like, kind of team-based. Like, they can make this work, but if they keep with kind of the status quo and inviting the Cole Anthony's of the world, like, I like Cole Anthony, he's a good player, but I was never going to be excited for him in the dunk contest. Like, that just wasn't going to be it. I feel bad for Jalen Green because I feel like he does have a bag when it comes to dunking, but it just didn't work out uh, yesterday. But I don't know. I just feel like we need to see something. When So I think I saw Bill Simmons tweet the three-point contest being at the end. I usually just go the other way anytime Bill Simmons says something. But what I would really want to see at the end, what should be the headliner, is they they need to have a one-on-one tournament. Like, that's what needs to happen. Like, that's what I think the fans want to see. You imagine, obviously, he's not healthy this year, but Durant versus LeBron one-on-one in the finals. Like, that would be some entertaining stuff to see because then they could see all the all the tricks in the bag that you don't necessarily do in a game situation that you can in a one-on-one. Um, I think that would be really cool to see. Maybe not one-on-one because that one-on-one can get a little grimy. That's a little more for the streets. Maybe like a game of cutthroat. Whereas you only get three dribbles or something like that. Something to where you get to see kind of the bag on full display. I think that would be really entertaining. They got to bring something new. Because this is the first year where I felt like the skills competitions and the lead up to the All-Star game. The NFL, I think, did a better job this year than than the NBA. And the NBA is usually, it's usually between them and baseball as far as who, who wins that. Because people love slam, uh, the home run derby. But... This is the first year I can remember the lead up to the game, the NFL doing a better job than the NBA. 
obviously not the game itself because we went to that Pro Bowl and yeah, there's a reason why it was a topic as far as how you fix it. Um, but the lead up was really fun and entertaining, and this year the NBA's wasn't that great. Um, speaking of the three point contest, Carl Anthony Towns was the surprise winner in the in the contest. Um, he he took it over some very good shooters. So my question to you, now that he's the three point champion. He only averages two threes a game. Over, under, seven and a half threes in this first game out of the break when he comes back to the Wolves. My man is taking as many threes as he wants. <laughs> Probably five, seven. He's going to be like, yo, I'm the three-point champ. Look at me. I'm the captain now. That's what he's going to do to whoever challenges his three-point shots. He's like, hey, did you win that three-point shoot contest? No, I don't think so. No, it was a good look for Cat. I, um... Uh, I was really impressed, and it looked like a contest made for him because especially shooting off a rack and when you're going around shooting that many times, you don't have to jump to shoot. That's going to really be in your advantage. And if you watch Carl Anthony Towns, I don't know if you could have slid a paper underneath his feet when he was taking those shots for the three-point shoot contest. My man was just grabbing him off the rack and just putting him up. So... I was really impressed with his three-point shooting, um, especially for a big man. I think you're going to see more big men trying to get into the three-point shooting contest now and show off their skills. But, uh, no, I was really impressed, and I I think he's definitely going to take five threes a game once they uh, resume their games. Yeah, he's going to be chucking them damn things, I swear. It's going to be a little different when you get a little defense and, you know, you ain't just picking the ball up off the rack, but... Yeah, he's a good shooter. We knew he was a good shooter, but I still didn't think he was going to win that contest. So shout out to Cat uh, for getting it done. I know I saw him come on Twitter and he said, "I told you." I don't remember him calling the shot, but I'm I'm sure he did. So shout out to him for that. The Rising Stars game, which honestly has always been my favorite part, uh, they did it a little differently. They made kind of like a tournament. I think there was four teams. Did a round robin with the Elam ending, with Team Barry end up winning it. How do you feel about that format? Did you like it, or would you rather just see kind of a traditional rookies versus sophomores or how they've done it in the past and just have a game? I did like it. Uh, it was really entertaining. It seemed like, I mean, I guess uh, when you have the younger guys playing, they're always going to pretty much play hard. So I don't think the game before was really a problem. But, you know, the format they did it this way was cool too. I mean, the guys were still playing hard. So I don't anything with the rising stars challenge is going to be a good game because these guys are going to go out and try to prove that basically I should have either been picked higher or I was worthy of being picked where I was picked. So those guys are always going to go out and play hard and it's all-star weekend. So you got uh, the older guys in the league watching, you got whoever is there for all-star weekend festivities watching. So a lot of eyeballs watching. So the younger guys are always going to play their hardest uh, in this game. So, I was fine with the format. Keep it, leave or keep it, or go back to the old way. It don't matter to me. I think they're always going to play hard. So it was, it was good to watch, though. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think in general, like you got more athletic kids. They're still trying to make a name for themselves. Like you said, like I know Jalen Green, for instance, has a chip on his shoulder. He still feels like he should have been the number one pick. Um, the first half of the season suggests he should have been the third pick, but that's beside the point. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, they got something to prove still. They're usually bouncier. They're, they're younger. Uh, like I said, they're trying to still establish that name for themselves, trying to show who they are and arrive on the scene. So you're going to get more entertaining basketball. And so uh, to me, either way is fine. 
I did like this. I like something new, a little spice. Uh, it creates more game-winning scenarios, whereas you're going to get better defense, generally speaking, if it's the game's on the line. So having more scenarios where the game's on the line, I think that, that that's never a bad thing. But for me, it's kind of six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. I like both formats. It's just fun to watch these kids get out there, play free, and have fun, and and, sh- and basically just go out there and, and put on a show. So I like that that game. I thought it went well, but I've never it never seemed broken to me. So this just seems like a new way to do the same thing in, in my mind. Uh, my last question on All Star Weekend: We have the celebrity game. Quavo seems to be a staple of that now. Is there a celebrity that you really want to see in the All-Star game that would make you kind of tune in? Ooh, that's a good one. I, oh, man. Maybe Idris Elba? Or is it Elba? Not Elba. Elba? I'm sorry. I, my names are mixed up. I want to see him hoop. I don't think he's a hooper, but it would just be entertaining to see him out there trying to hoop. Like, I want to see some of these dudes who are, are people who are bigger stars that are from uh, other countries that you don't know about because when they do movies, they talk American. <laughs> then they do an interviews, and it's like, hello, good top of the morning to you. So I want to see some of them people who, like Christian Bell, I want to see him hooping because he's from one of them countries, uh, I think Wales or something like that. So I want to see uh, some of the people there from other countries that don't play basketball in one of these celebrity basketball games. There's some rappers I want to see because there's some rappers that are like legit hoopers. Like, you know, the game played at Washington State, Dave East played play college ball. J. Cole, obviously, is a little more well-documented. I think he's been in one of these before, but he didn't really go hard like that. Like, I want to... Enough of the former players, like, we know that they can hoop. They just kind of get in the way because they're going to go score 30 anytime they want to. Like, we know, bro. Like, we know you're nice. I want to see just, like, a bunch of celebrities, like, actually go at it and, like, lock up, play defense. Like, I want to see that game. But when you sprinkle in... Six eight Scotty Pippen, like okay, well, you know they ain't gonna be able to get off like that because Scotty's out here just erasing their shit. You know what I mean? So Trace McGrady was in one a couple years ago. I'm like, bro, he just got out the league. What you what you mean? So I want to see the dudes that you know play college or are self proclaimed really good basketball players. And I want to see them like for real go at it. Yeah, no, I want to see Adam Sandler, man. They talk about Adam Sandler hoop all the time. Throw my man in the game. Let me see these hooping skills I'm always hearing about and seeing clips of on Twitter. Let me see, I want to see this full run. So Adam Sandler is another one I want to see in the game. I mean, I know he ain't never going to play in it, but that'd be one I want to see in it. Or like other athletes from different sports, like because I've seen some clips of Pat Mahomes hooping and like get him out there. I mean, obviously, Miles Garrett was out there dunking on everything. Like more of that to me. Like give me guys that are athletic that you know probably played two three sports in high school anyway they just happen to be professional at one and let's let all these dudes that talk about they can hoop let's let them play and just actually go out there and 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 do work get all the pros or former pros out of there and let's watch the celebrities kind of do it on their own i think that would actually i would probably tune in to see that because as of now that's a skip for me no one really plays hard we know who's gonna if I've already seen you play at the highest level, I don't need to see you play against Justin Bieber or MKG. Like, I just don't need to see it. Or MGK, excuse me. So, <laughs> like, I don't need to see that. Like, I already Whatever know. Your game is. Yeah. Whatever. I, I saw a tweet that said he looked like a 2K, 
a 2K My Player where they spent all their VC on tattoos. I was like, oh, he does look like I couldn't get that out of my head when I was watching. I was like, that's exactly what he looks like. My man spent all his VC on the tattoos. But if we just got all celebrities, dudes that, you know, can hoop, I think that would be a really entertaining game. Maybe put some money on it for charity or something like that. Give them, give them a little donation. But I want to see them, like, really play and lock up and, like, a little shit talking, you know, like all that competitive juices. I want to see that flowing. All right. So we're obviously at the midway point. We've we've seen a lot of NBA. We've answered a lot of questions. We still have more to be answered. Uh, but let's ask some more questions because that's what we do really well in the show is we ask questions and then we uh, dissect it right there. Um, most of these questions are yours. So I'm going to let you pose them and I'm going to go ahead and hand this off to you. Talk to me about your NBA questions. All right, well, since the NFL season ended, it's basically no choice but NBA and college sports on. Sprinkle in some NASCAR, I guess, if you want to, if you're that fan, which I am at the moment. Not me. I guess. <laughs> Not you. I, some questions that pop in my head. Are the Suns really the best team in NBA? And I know they made it to the finals last year, and I think they were the number one seed in the West, if not one or two. Are are they the best team in the league, like, overall, East and West? I mean, right now, it's hard to say no. Like, I look at the roster, and I still like the Bucks roster better. Uh, I would like to see the Sixers with Harden. But the way they're playing, like, proof's in the pudding, right? Like, they go out there, and they just kind of smack everybody in front of them every game. We'll see. They're going to be tested a little bit because it sounds like Chris Paul is going to be out for a little bit after the All-Star break with his hand. But they just play really well together. They have all the pieces. You know, they got a true point guard, Chris Paul. They got a center in Aiden that can, you know, block shots. He can score. Uh, he can even hit a jump shot. Obviously, D-Book, they got a true scorer. You know, somebody that can get you a bucket at any given time. They have pretty much the quintessential 3 and D guy in the N- NBA right now in, in Miles Bridges or Mikael Bridges, excuse me. Miles Bridges is th- that guy in Charlotte. Uh, so Mikael Bridges... Cam Johnson's another really good role player. I feel like Jay Crowder just knows winning basketball pretty much wherever he goes. The team gets better. And then they're starting to get a little depth. Like, we've seen Cameron Payne come off the bench. Landry Shamit, I'm not huge on, but he's still a still a good player. We've seen, I was going to say Jalen Smith, but they traded his ass away. So they got Torrey Craig, who's been a good role player in this league. And... Uh, JaVale McGee's always been good in spurts. You know, we don't ha- we'll have to see him shacked in the full if he's only playing 10 to 15 minutes a game. So he's still a really good role player. He's got championship pedig- pedigree as well. I think he's got two of them things, right? Like I think he got one with Golden State and he got one with the Lakers, I believe. So they've got pretty much everything you would want. For some reason, I kind of want to hesitate to say they're the best team in the league, but I I think right now they are the best team in the league, and that's just... I think that's just a very well-constructed team. And that's what happens when you build a team the right way is the sum ends up being greater than the parts or whatever that saying is. I'm really bad at cliches. Um, Y'all know what I'm talking about. I guess if you're my age or older, you know what I'm talking about. The kids are like, what the fuck is he saying? But trust me, it's a real thing. Ask your daddy. Um, I think that they probably are the best team in the league as it stands. But, I mean, a lot can happen in the next couple months before playoff time. All right, all right. Next one. And I feel I feel like it's kind of a simple answer, but I'm going to let you answer. Why is DeMar DeRozan having such a good season slash MVP season? Is it simply that he just went from the West to the East and he's back like into that 
mindset like he was back in Toronto where he's like, oh, I'm playing these dudes in the ECU. I can dominate this league. Is that what, and he's like, oh, no, LeBron either? Oh, okay, I'm, I'm back up in this. Is that what's going on with him? Like, what's going on with DeMar? Like, why is he having this bounce back season? So there's two things. First of all, he's been good. It's just nobody was paying attention to San Antonio the last couple of years because it wasn't like he was bad in San Antonio. Like, he's been good. Second of all, he was called the worst signing in the offseason. You know he saw that shit. Like, you know he saw that shit. That, like, how disrespectful, how disrespectful you got to feel? He's already a guy that's been kind of underappreciated his whole career because he's really been kind of a 20-point scorer for years now. Like, this isn't something new. And no one ever wants to talk about him. All they ever talk about is as soon as he got, as soon as they got rid of him, Toronto won a ship. And I'm like, okay, but they got Kawhi Leonard. Let's not play like it was just, they just addition by subtraction. Like, they got Kawhi Leonard and then rattled off a win when they probably would have lost if Golden State was healthy. Let's be real about that. They were a healthier team. They took advantage of it. Shouts out to them. But we took that as, we found a way to use that to to shade DeMar. And then he decides to come to the Bulls and everybody calls it the worst signing of the offseason. I think he was sick of that shit, man. I think he really went into the gym like, look, like they ain't going to keep disrespecting me like that. And I think he was motivated. The team around him fits really well because they can all shoot. Like, you can go one through five on that roster. Vucevic can shoot. Levine can shoot. Lonzo can shoot. Kobe White can shoot. So you would basically allow him to be the interior presence because you know he's captain mid-range. You can't clog the lane, and he gets to do what he does best. So I think you combine a couple of those factors and... You have him in the MVP conversation. Now, he ain't going to win it, but he's going to be probably a top five MVP candidate. And I just really think it's a matter of him feeling ultimately disrespected and him being in a city that's kind of more in the limelight because this is Chicago basketball versus San Antonio basketball. I think that matters. Another one. All right, I'm going to actually make this one last because I know this one's close to your heart. So I'm going to switch out a question for question. Watching the Knicks the last week, two weeks, however long month, a lot of disappointing losses. A lot of come, a lot of teams coming back on from like twenty points plus down. And I know the easy target is Jim Dolan, but is it still Jim Dolan's fault at this point? Like they hired a new GM, Tibbs is there. We keep wanting to blame Dolan, but he keeps trying. He's not like one of these owners, like the Kings owner would it. Adive, Renovec Adive, I can't say his full name. I'm sorry, sir. He's not like one of those owners. Like, I feel like he does throw money into it. I feel like he is trying. He did try to hire Phil Jackson to turn the mess around. So, can we still blame James Dolan, or are there other people to blame at this point? So, there's other people to blame, but you can still blame Dolan. Like, it doesn't have to... Maybe he can share it, like, across the board, you know what I mean? But, like, when the Super Bowl happened, there was this debate on Twitter about whether the owner should be the first person to touch the trophy, right? Because people like the players and the coaches did this. How come the owner gets to touch it? And the argument was, he's the owner. He hired everybody here. He funded it. It's his team. So he should be the one that holds it, right? And I think that's a strong argument 
but it has to be true on the other end as well. So when you're not successful, you still paid for everything. You still hired everybody. So you're still ultimately going to be responsible for when it's not working out. I think he does a lot of things where he does splash hires and does name-based hires. And he uses that to try to like look like he's trying. Because he's like, oh, Tom Thibodeau. People know that name. I'm going to hire him. Okay, but your roster doesn't fit Tom Thibodeau team. Like You don't have a nitty-gritty defensive team, right? So he's never been one that's going to be creative offensively. That was his kind of downfall in Chicago because he had a guy like, – he basically needed Derrick Rose to bail him out at all times because offensively they were pretty stagnant. You give him a team that no matter who's their coach isn't going to be a great defensive team. It doesn't really matter. And then you have no creativity – on offense, and you're still relying on Derrick Rose to bail you out, right? He gets hurt, and suddenly you can't score. So it just it's just not a good hire, really. So, like, I don't think Tibbs is a good hire. Then you go out, and you make a really good trade. The GM makes a really good trade to get Cam Reddish for peanuts, and Tibbs is like, nah, <laughs> you're just going to sit on the bench. So you went from winning a trade to losing a trade just because your coach won't play the man. So... Does Thibodeau deserve some blame? Absolutely. Like He's got to be about the paint. But at the end of the day, if you're the owner, you're the one who signed off on bringing Thibodeau. So you can't be absolved from the blame as the owner. You're never going to be absolved from the blame because it's your team. So is it all his fault? Probably not. But you can't just say it's not my fault at the same same time. like You're the one signing the checks. You're the one agreeing to all the moves that are made. You have to share some of that blame. Yeah, I I agree. You do have to share some of that blame being the owner. It does ultimately, like you said, fall on you. You do write the checks. I think Jim Zoni squad like hire a legit GM. Like go out and see what it's gonna take to take get Sam Presti out of OKC. Like, hey, what is it gonna take for you to get this job and fully run it like a good GM, you know? Like the Sixers, after a while of having GMs come in and out of there, the Hinkies, the Colangelos, they went and got Daryl Moore. They were like, All right, enough of this. They, I mean, they tried to give Elton Brand a shot, but then he just made bad signings. And they were like, all right, well, enough of this. We're going to go get a real GM. And they went out and got Daryl Morey. So I think the Knicks need to do the same thing. Go look around the league. Who's one of the better GMs you can maybe steal or hire assistant GM who's doing a really good job and do it that way. Like, I think hiring a former agent as a GM wasn't a good look because all he's going to do is probably look out for the guys he used to rep. So... I think they need to go out and hire a legit GM to get this turned around for them. But moving on uh, to another player or to a player who's hold up, hold got up, injuries in this organization. I got to say one more thing about the Knicks. I don't know whose fault this is, but the fact that they fell for the fool's gold of last year really bothers me. Like we knew that, that team. You know, they had their little star, you know, and their star ran out. Like, we knew they weren't that good. Like, you and I called this before the season. We were like, nah, okay, they had their magical run last year. They they overachieved. They're going to regress to the mean. Like, So the fact that they didn't go make any changes because they were fooled by what happened last year is just another indictment on that organization as a whole. And ultimately, that's got to fall on Dolan at some point because he's the owner. Like, we saw this coming, so how come he ain't see this coming? Like, you're the one with billions of dollars. Like, you couldn't hire somebody to tell you that this shit was going to happen? I mean, we're, we're asking a lot from a guy who, in his most time, in his off time, is recording records with his band, JD, in the straight shot. So, I mean, you're asking a lot from Jim Dillon to be like, 
people recognizing that's to me that's the GM just needing to recognize that. And like I said, he shouldn't have hired a former GM or a former agent in Leon Rose to be a GM. Like he he should have never had him as a GM. He, like I said, I believe he needs to go out and hire a real GM. Hire a real GM. I believe the problems will be fixed. But uh, let's move on to team down south in New Orleans where can't get right is what I'm going to start calling Zion because he can't get right. They can't get right. He can't even get on the court. So like whose fault is it? Is it Zion's? Is it the team's? Like where does this ultimately fall to where I like they're, I don't even know what they're doing down there. They're well, I mean, they never really were well-run organization. They had to have the NBA basically take over for a while. So, and we know how that went with the Chris Paul trade to LA and blah, 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 all that. Like what is going on with the Pelicans? Who is to blame for this debacle? You know, this allows me to toot my own horn a little bit, so I appreciate you setting me up for this. I told you this a long time ago that this that trade for AD was not a good trade, man. Like I said it. Like I said it. I was he I was the only one. Y'all was all telling me that I was wrong. Ah, oh, finally. The truth will set you free. It just wasn't a good trade. They created mediocrity. It was the ex- it was exact Again, we talked about it already. Teams are afraid to bottom out. And this was the quintessential I don't want to bottom out trade. And now they're stuck in no man's land. I was also right when I said I think Zion is just darker Blake, right? Like, he's Blake Griffin, really. Which isn't a bad thing. But there wasn't really ever a time in Blake's career where he could be that guy on his own. Like, there was never really that time. Like, he needed the Chris Paul. He needed the DeAndre Jordan. And that shit still didn't work out, right? They didn't make no finals. Now, some of that's Doc Rivers. We talked about that last week. We'll leave it at where it's at. But he was never the guy that was going to be... Like, he was never the best player on that team, in my mind. It was always Chris Paul. Like, that was the best player on their team. And Blake was a Robin. To me, Zion's a Robin. He kind of always has been a Robin at the pro level. Like, obviously... Well, we've seen who he played high school against. He was definitely Batman against them. And then in college, he was definitely Batman. But to me, he's always been an NBA Robin. And that's fine. That's not a bad thing. But this idea that you're going to just, oh, if we have Zion, we get a couple pieces and we're going to be good still. Zion ain't AD. And I know it's fun to talk trash about AD right now. But objectively, AD's the better basketball player. It's not really that close. So... To just say that you're just going to sub one for the other and then you're going to be good because you also got all these pieces was never sensical. And so now you're kind of stuck in this mediocrity. So whose fault is it? It's David Griffin because we we crowned him for his quote-unquote success on the trade and has left him in a very awkward spot. And now Zion can't get healthy. And they're stuck between do we just shut him down? Or do we try to get them back to make a push? Because And then the the organization doesn't even know what they want to do. Because they're talking about him not playing at all this year. And if that's true, then why do you go get C.J. McCollum? Like, what's the point? Like, if you're not going to play him at all, then shouldn't you be sellers at the trade deadline? So now they're in this weird situation. They don't know what to do. And it all started with that AD trade. Whereas in my mind, AD would have been the perfect Batman for Zion for a year. Make him play that year. He's still going to force his way out. You had Drew at the time. You go try to chase the Toronto ring like they did with Kawhi. If it doesn't work out, then at that point you blow it all the way up and you just build solely around Zion and try to find his Batman. 
But instead, they did this I don't want to bottom out thing. And they're just going to be the 10th pick in the draft for the next 10 years because <laughs> that's where they're at. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up AD because that brings me to my last and final question. Uh, I think it started off with Stephen A. Smith earlier in the week kind of questioning, should the Lakers move off of Anthony Davis? And I later in the week kind of got some traction with some other people. I think I saw Cal Herd talking about it. A couple other people started to kind of roll with that. And I was like, wow, really already? I mean, I, didn't they just trade for him two years ago? But, I mean, I guess if you're trying to keep LeBron happy – he does get injured. But I was like, ah, no, too early. I don't know. But then I was like, well, maybe. But I was like, what do you return? So I'm just going to ask you. I know you're a big AD fan. Should the Lakers consider trading AD this offseason, I guess? Because, I mean, trade deadline's passed at this point. He is hurt. So it would have to be in the offseason. Should they even ponder that or just re- rebuild this roster? Because this roster is highly flawed also. I think it's kind of silly. Like, honestly. I mean, they did win a ship together. Like, I don't know why we act like that didn't happen. AD was a big part of that. I don't know if you remember him hitting that game winner against Denver. Pretty sure they don't win that series without that. But I guess we got short memories. But, so let's just take a, take away my fandom. To me, you're always going to entertain trades if you can get a good deal. But who, what player are you looking to get for AD? If, you, if you're trying to do it to kind of keep LeBron happy... It's got to be somebody that's ready to win now. AD coming off of this year, who's who's making that trade? Like, what player are we talking about here? You can't go get younger pieces because then at that point, you might as well go ahead and trade LeBron too because they're not going to fit around him. It's one thing in theory to say, okay, we should trade him, but it's like, what does that trade actually look like? Like, who are we trading for? And that's going to becomes the tougher question and one that I don't think people can really answer because I don't think there's a really good trade out there. Like if Philly was willing to give you Embiid, sure, do it. But that's not going to happen, right? Like you're not getting Kawhi. You're not getting, I can't even think off the top of my head who was like Giannis. Like you're not getting those guys. So what what does this trade even look like? So whereas you're going to keep LeBron happy, but trade AD like, I don't see how you make this equal trade, like, unless you're deciding to blow the whole thing up and just start over as the Lakers and just try to, I guess, build around THT. <laughs> Couldn't even say that with a straight face. But unless you're trying to do that, like, what does that even look like? I think it's just hot take Stephen A just talking out of his ass because it's a slow week, if you want my honest opinion. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know where the trade package starts. If that's if you're shopping AD, like where are you? Because to me, who's giving up? To me, you have to try to find at least equal return. And who is trying to give up their main piece for AD? Who I do love as a player, but I mean, he does get injured. It is what it is at this point. They're not. They're not like ACLs and torn Achilles injuries, but they're a month here. It's a four week. You know, it's two weeks here. It's, it's this and that. So. I just don't see what trade makes them equal or even better. So I think you're stuck where you are, but it's not a bad stuck. I mean, having AD and LeBron as your starting point is never a bad starting point. I just think this roster needs to be better constructed around those two players. You know, the Russell Westbrook signing was a bad signing. I feel like everybody and their mama told you that you probably shouldn't sign him, but they did it anyway. And 
you got you just have to be able to spread the court better. You need to have shooters and defenders. I think they were on that path when they won the championship and they got off that path. So if they can find their way back, I think they'll be okay. But I don't think trading AD is the way to go. I think, like you said, it's probably just Stephen A. Smith talking on a slow week, trying to muster up some talk to get off his sorry-ass Knicks who blew the shit they blew the week, and he was all depressed and talking about them. So I think this is a Stephen A. mustering up some stuff that, eh, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, he's just jumping on the bandwagon, people hating on AD. That's okay. It'll be the same thing that happened with DeRozan. Everybody talking trash, and then he'll be back, and then we'll just act like we never said it. That's just that's just what people do. Um, you got me wanting to switch topics altogether. Let's get off of the NBA. I don't even want to talk about that anymore. Um, let's talk a little college basketball. You got me feeling like Jawan Howard right now. I feel like I want to fight somebody. I feel like I want to scrap and grab somebody's face. Uh, <laughs> talk to me what the hell's going on in Michigan with their season and then also their coach getting the, getting in the fight. Does, do you think this is grounds for getting him fired? I don't. I I think it was a little bit overblown. I I think that the, I'm not going to say certain people, but certain people overblew it. You know, they sent a punch when the first tweet came out before video kind of came out. And I was like, do you want Howard punch somebody? I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty crazy. And then you see the video, and it's not a punch. It's more like a mush. Not even a mush. Like, it was like he was trying to... It's like he went to mush, my man, but he was too far away. And then he just went like, I'm going to palm your head like a basketball type move. And then he missed that too. So it, it was definitely craziness. It's something you don't see often coaches getting involved like that. I think I had asked you the question, like, when's the last time we've kind of seen a coach confrontation like this? I know the Calipari and Cheney one is the most infamous one. You know, I'll kill you and break it in the press conference. But they didn't. I don't even think they got close enough to even like touch so that was more like just a verbal confrontation so you don't really see it too often with coaches getting involved it was a uh, almost like set uh, the highlight of the sunday because i mean the all-star game hasn't started yet and there wasn't much on you know tv wise but a couple college basketball games so i think it's something that kind of gets overblown because it's a sunday where not a lot's going on so people kind of jump on that but i don't think he gets fired i definitely think he's gonna get suspended uh i'm gonna guess four to five game range, but I I hope he doesn't lose his job for this. Quite honestly, because I'm sh- I'm sure coaches have done way worse. I mean, not on the court. I'm sure off the court. So let my man keep his job. Let's keep it pushing. And yeah, not the bestest of looks. I just I don't think in and of itself is a reason to get fired. But if Michigan's a little concerned about him having a bad season. This could be an easy way for them to just be like, let me go ahead and offload this real quick. We'll use this as the reason because it's not, you know, emblematic of us as a university and as a program. It's not what we want to embody. But he was so good last year that I think this is kind of, again, it's kind of like the Knicks. I should have seen it coming. I didn't see it coming with them, but they probably overachieved a little bit last year. And now they're kind of underachieving this year. I think he'll it'll be a wash and he'll keep his job, but. I was just kind of wondering if you thought that because they're having a bad year, if they might try to like use this as a means to just be like, eh, get out of here. But he's an alumni. He put kind of, he kind of helped put Michigan basketball on. He had a really good year last year. I don't see them getting rid of him over, over, over this, but I do have a question because I just watched Memphis in what was a, in my mind, I just hate watching Memphis play basketball. Like right now they have a lot of individual talent. Just doesn't look 
good together. And then with Juwan and Michigan struggling, led me to this question. In today's era, do good pros ever work out as college coaches? I mean, because you can throw Patrick Ewan in there as well. They ain't exactly lighting the world on fire. Danny Manning has never really had a great year. Like, where are these examples of these really good basketball players coming back and being really good coaches? Don't know. For some reason, they have a hard time, I feel like, teaching. It's like, it's it all comes back, well, why can't you just do this like I do? Well, motherfucker, can't everybody just do stuff like you did it? Like, you gotta, gotta be able to explain stuff and dump stuff down to people. And if you can't do that, I think that makes it very hard. And I always thought that, yeah, I I thought at least, like, if you were a good NBA player, you should be able to be, like, a semi-decent uh, college coach because you should be able just to recruit off your name. But these guys are showing me that's not true. Like, I, I honestly thought that you could at least be a decent one off of that, but they showing me that you can't. So I, I'm i going to take the L on that one. I, I honestly thought that some of these guys were going to be able to kind of work their magic. Now, I think someone like – I can see someone like Mike Woodson in Indiana having a better, like, success coming, like, here soon because I feel like he was a good, uh, decent NBA coach. And now with the college game becoming more kind of like the NBA with transfer portals, you know, trade-wise, you know, where your your roster isn't always the same year to year, I think someone like him could be okay once he kind of gets it figured out because that now becomes getting the players that you know fit into your system and now getting mature players, which is closer to the NBA than college, where you're getting 18 and, you know, 17, 18, and 19-year-olds to try to fit your system and try to get what you want done. So I think guys like Patrick Ewing, like you said, Penny and Juwan might not make it last in the end, but I can see somebody like uh, Woodson who has coached the NBA, who was a good coach making it work. But man, I probably now, I mean, it goes along with my other stuff that I have about coaching hires, but ex good NBA or NFL might be off the list of coaching hires now, along with some other criteria I've crossed off the list. Well, I mean, to your point about recruiting, they are recruiting good, like highly rated players, but I'm like, are they bad evaluators or are they just getting the five-star guy that is overrated? Cause when I look at it and I don't want to call anybody out directly, you can look at the recruiting rankings if you want to, but There's a lot of guys out here that got a lot of hype and you're watching them play and they're just not as advertised, right? And that's on, well, not really Georgetown, but that's on both Michigan and Memphis. And so is that an evaluating issue? Are they too busy looking at ESPN's rankings and just going to get the guy that ESPN says is good instead of making their own evaluations? I don't know, because from a recruiting standpoint, they are actually really doing well. It just doesn't seem to be translating all the time. Um to the next level. Now it's early. Both of them haven't been coaching that long. So they haven't, it's not like they have seniors that they, that they recruited that aren't panning out. Sometimes you think a guy's a one and done and he's just not. I think, uh, your cough sounded a lot like a name that I would say is on that, on that list. So it's, it's a little early from a recruiting standpoint to say that they're misses, but from a coaching standpoint, I think there's something lacking. I think they're both trying the Calipari approach. They can't recruit like Calipari. They that's a different ball game. Like that dude's one of the best recruiters to ever do it. So uh, just because you were a very good basketball player, don't mean you can recruit like Calipari. So we'll see what happens. I'm just wondering. I'm waiting to see that mold broken. Like you mentioned, Mike Woodson, but maybe I'm not the basketball historian. I think I am, but I don't think he was a good player like Penny. 
Like he wasn't like a Jawan Howard because a lot of people think of Jawan Howard. They think of him like on the Heat on the end of the bench, but he had a career before that where he was getting buckets. I don't remember Mike Whitson like that. I think he played in the league, but it's the difference between I played in the league and I starred in the league. That's that line that I'm talking about. Guys that starred in the league and then trying to because when I think of Mike Whitson, I think of a good coach. I don't think of a basketball player turn coach, even though he literally is, but I think of him as a coach first and then a former player second, kind of like the same way with Phil Jackson, for instance. Like I know he played in the league, but I think of him as a coach. Jawan Howard, Penny, I think of them as but, basketball players, and then the fact that, okay, now they're trying this coaching thing. But I think that's kind of what we're talking about. Like, how, who is the greatest player slash coach, really? Because I feel like they're, you're pretty much going to, the ones that we're going to talk about that were players and coaches are going to be those mid-tier, basically. Like, you think about the list now, or the top 15 whatever coaches list, the ones that were players and coaches, it's like Steve Kerr's on that list. It's Doc Rivers on that list. It's Phil Jackson on that list that were players and coaches, but like you're saying, not the high end of players. So I don't, I mean, maybe one day we'll see uh, a great Wilkins, I guess. a great coach too, but man, I ain't going to. Yeah, I guess Wilkins would probably be the, the highest of, you know, two combined, but I'm not holding my breath to see it again because I just don't. I don't think these guys got it in them to really coach coach it like that. If you're a good player, I think you you probably end up making too. Especially now, you're going to make too much of money to want to do that. Like no good player. Like I'm trying to think of somebody who's like Dame Lillard. He ain't going to want to coach. Like Dame Lillard don't want to be a, a head coach. I guess what Chauncey Phillips now would be the like a good player who's a coach, but we don't know how he's going to. We don't know. What good of a coach he's gonna be? Not a good so start. It's a wait and see approach on these guys. Not a good, like you said, not a good start. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't think we're gonna see it. I don't. I just don't think it happens. I feel like a guy like Chris Paul could do it. I'm not sure if he's interested in doing it, but I feel like when you watch him go on a team, and then suddenly the players around him get better. Because I'm not really one that thinks that you can do that from like a just playing standpoint. But I think. If you look at some people's best year, a lot of times Chris Paul was on that team. So I think he could probably do it. But to your point, I think there's a different skill set between coaching and playing. Like, it's not the same skill set. Just because you're a really good player doesn't mean that you're able, a good teacher, right? Like, not everybody that's the best in their field is the best person to teach you how to do what they do. So I think there's this idea that it should be easy, but I honestly think it's really hard to be that great at more than one thing and so we've found your niche as far as how great you were as a player to also turn around and be a great coach would be very unique and uncommon like lebron we could talk about basketball iq like he has that but can he coach that like that's a tough thing to be like you're just supposed to see it like we all see that clip where lebron was talking to austin reeves about whatever the hell LeBron shit that he saw and Austin Reeves kind of like looked at him like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like he, people just don't see it at that level. Right. Like I had a, I guess a quick story and then we'll, we'll move on. I was in physics. It was like a physics one oh one or 200 level course. And the teacher who was supposed to teach it couldn't teach it. So the department head for physics taught our class, right? Like he runs the physics department altogether. Everybody's under him. He was saying shit to us, and we're like, bro, I don't know what you're saying. And he was saying it like it was basic stuff. Like he was looking at us like he just said one plus one is two. And we're like, bro, like we don't get it. And so the whole class, like 
none of us really understood it because he was way too up there. And I feel like that's what can happen a lot of times with players who are coaching. It's like they're not able to dumb that down for you, for you to grasp it because they're way the hell up here. And if you can't dumb it down, then just because you have the knowledge, if you can't translate that to somebody else, then it does you no good. So I think that's kind of what we see and why we see some players struggle with that kind of thing. The last thing I want to bring up, why do college teams have trouble with a zone? And I'm not even talking like an exotic zone. I'm talking about a basic-ass 2-3 zone. Like, why are teams struggling with that? Like, you brought this question to me, and I kind of, it's funny because I was watching college basketball when you saw it, when I saw it, and then I'm like, here's a zone that someone doesn't know how to break. Like, what's going on with this, and why can't teams solve for a basic-ass 2-3 zone? I don't get it. And it's fun. It's really funny to me now, especially since I've been watching college basketball a lot this year. And it's the most funny is when teams break it out out of nowhere and then teams are just baffled. It's like, it's like somebody starts speaking another language to you out of nowhere. And you're just like, Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. It's almost what it looks like with teams. Sometimes it's like you start speaking another language to them. They get confused. And it's like, but you've seen this on all your life. You've gotten to this point of playing, high-level D1 basketball. There's no way along the way you've never seen a 2-3 zone. Like, just impossible, right? So, how do you not know how to play against it? And it's just, it baffles me over and over. And I, like, I'm honestly surprised that coaches just started pulling out this tactic because it worked. This shit is the FBI. It is 99-0. It does not lose when you bust out a 2-3 zone out of nowhere. Like, teams stay getting confused. And, you, it's per it's perfect to run at end, at the end of a game. I'm sure teams will start catching on to it, but if you have the situation where it's like say five seconds left and the team just called timeout and they're coming out of the timeout, just run a two run a two three zone. They're going to be confused. They're going to waste their time and they're going to take a bad shot. So I think you're going to see a lot more teams busting out zones at the end of games just to confuse teams. But it, it's getting people lately, and I'm just I'm really shocked that college kids still can't handle a simple two three zone. It's funny because growing up, like, all you ever heard was that the the vaunted Syracuse zone. And I feel like that's the only zone in college basketball that doesn't work. Like, someone's putting up 90 against them every week. And it's that was the only zone that did work when I was growing up. And it's funny because I feel like it's the only one that doesn't. That's probably because they play zone start to finish. So if you're kind of preparing for that, then it's different. But like you said, you come out of a timeout and the team's in the zone players look hella confused and I just don't understand why that's that hard. Like for me personally, I see a zone, I get excited because I'm like, Oh, we're about to carve this up. Now I get it. The caliber of athletes a little different at the SRC than it is in college basketball. But at the same time, the caliber athlete on the offense is different too. So I feel like you should still be able to beat a zone, a two, three zone. If you see it, I, I understand that good zones exist, but it feels like everybody's zone works in college basketball right now. And I don't understand it. Like you said, it's kind of crazy. All right. So we're going to talk a little baseball or what's my, cause this might be the last time we talk about it. Cause it sounds like they may not uh, have a season. So talk me through this. I know that's going to be a void in your heart if they don't resolve this. So talk to me about it. Uh, what's going on in the world of baseball. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Baseball's dumb. They don't know what they're doing. They're ruining their game more by having this lockout. They're not even close at the moment. Uh, pitchers and catchers, I think, were, were supposed to report, I think, this week, if not last week. 
they should be getting, you know, pretty much revved up for the season, but they're not there because of money. And nobody wants to hear that shit, especially in a salary cap where you mother efforts don't have a goddamn salary cap. You don't have a salary cap. So why are you guys arguing about money? Like, nobody wants to hear that shit, man. Like, you guys make a trillion dollars. I just heard Juan Soto turn down a $350 million contract. So, like, come on with this. Like, stop it. You're greedy. Your sport already is one of the least popular major sports. And you're killing it by doing this. And it's just greed that's getting in the way. And it's it's just sad and it sucks, especially being a baseball fan. But it is what it is, you know. Last time they did this, they basically needed steroids and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire to pull them out from having the lockout. And they can't do that this time around. You 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 ruined Joe get out of jail free card that time by, you know, allowing steroids in the game and chicks digging the long ball to kind of propel baseball back into America's hearts and stuff like that. But you can't do that this time. So what are you going to do when you start your season late and then it goes straight from like basketball to basically college football, the NFL, like you're, you're just going to get squeezed out and you're already don't have the best of fan bases. Like your tennis isn't really that great in ballpark and on like only that says baseball is really their TV contracts with the local markets. That's the only thing that really says them. And the smaller markets too get saved by that. So I just think this is very, I think this is all bad. They need to just get this figured out, but they won't because of greed and it sucks. It sucks as a, a fan of baseball, but you know this is this is going to become their own undoing. And when they want to complain about why nobody watches our game, this is why because you do dumb stuff like this. This is why nobody watches your game anymore. And it's slow. Put in a, a shot clock like basketball or something for pitchers. But other than that, like just get it together. Get back on the you know get back on the field quickly as possible because baseball fans really want to watch and you're wasting. A great opportunity well i mean not even a great opportunity anymore because you already fallen behind so you're just gonna fall even more behind yeah i completely agree i do think you're saying soto turning down 350 million i think that's why mlb is locking out because they're like look we need them to be taking this money because if they out here thinking they can get more than 350 million from us then they need to know that these these checks don't have to come like i, I feel like that's the reason why they're doing this they're like these dudes done got a little big for their britches. They're out here thinking they're getting more than 350 from us. So I think the fact that they don't have a salary cap is probably why they're locking them out because they're like, nah, we need this. We need to get these contracts under control because we're tired of paying this. But I also wonder, cause you know, there's going to be that void, which I think you're going to have more people turning towards college baseball. And in college, they have a lot of fun when they play, when they play baseball, like, you know, I, I saw somebody hit a home run and he used his bat like a telescope to, to see if he could find it. And then, obviously, I'm a VT fan. And I don't know if you've seen the, the sledgehammer they do after they hit home run. Someone throws the dude that hit a home run a sledgehammer and he pounces on the ground. Like, they'd be having a hell of a lot of fun out there playing. So, my concern for the MLB is if people start getting used to that and they're watching college baseball and they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff and having their little dances and, and swagged out. Then you get back to the MLB and they're not allowed to do that. Like you might lose some more of your fan base to college baseball instead because they're having that fun. So they really probably need to get this sorted out quick because I think people are going to start finding substitutes for their product and they may not recover that. And then the last point I want to make, I think it's funny because you were saying that they use the steroid era to bail them out. You definitely can't do that because now they're making an example of those same steroid people that they used 
to get out of their bad situation by saying they can't make it to the Hall of Fame. So they burned that bridge for sure because now it's like no, you can't turn around and then allow it now because you've taken such a hard stance on steroids. They can't go back to that because they'll be like, wait a minute. You said these dudes can't even get in the Hall of Fame because of how terrible it was, and now you're supporting it again? It's kind of like when the NFL talks about these these hits and how they're bad for, for football, but then it's on their highlight reel. They're showing these hits as part of their marketing package. It's like, wait a minute. Is it good or bad? So I think baseball is in trouble. We'll see how this how this unfolds, but I don't think this lockout is a good idea for, for Major League Baseball. No, I was just no, I was just gonna piggyback on your college baseball because I was watching college baseball too, and I saw a couple home runs being pimped out. I was like, oh, I can get into this college baseball if this is what they doing. So, yeah, I, I agree with the college baseball kind of stepping its game up. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and bring it home. Uh, I want to watch the All Star Game. I'm gonna try to go ahead and uh, enjoy that. I think it should be a lot of fun, a lot of fireworks. So, what's my bringing home question this week is what is your favorite all-star game memory? You know what? I'm, it's so funny because I'm not even really like the biggest MJ fan, but I think it was the older, the one with MJ and it was like they were trying to have him have like the last shot and win it and he had like a fadeaway. But then Kobe was like, nah, you're not about to go out like that. And Kobe hit a shot and they had to keep playing. I think that one was uh, one of my favorite memories because that was the one with like, I kind of like those all-star jerseys. I think they kind of like almost look like the McDonald's All-American jerseys. They had like the stars on them and it was the NBA. Like they were almost like the old school ones. And uh, that all-star game has had a lot of good players. And if you go back to it, um, I I think that was Michael Jordan's last all-star game. And that one I remember, like I said, I wasn't even really, I'm not even really a Kobe, big Kobe fan either, but I just remember that all-star game, and uh, that was a good one. I, I think, actually, I want to say Kevin Garnett might have actually won uh, all-star game MVP, because I remember they had, like, the big-ass trophy, it looked like a rec league uh, championship trophy, because it was, like, six feet, or it was, like, five feet high, but, uh, yeah, that that game was a, a good one. I remember that one for sure. Yeah, because, uh, I'll never forget because Mike hit that fadeaway over Sean Marion. You know, he's a hell of an athlete, and and Mike was kind of old. And I was like, "Ain't no way he hit that." And he hit that. I'm like, "That dude, Mike, no, <laughs> on another level, bro." But yeah, like you said, Kobe, Kobe didn't give a shit about the sentimental. He was like, "I'm out here to get this dub." Uh, there's a couple battles with Kobe. I know him and LeBron went at it towards the end of one of uh, these years. I'm really bad with the years, so I'm just going to tell you the names. But I was thinking more of a singular moment and kind of. I was a really big T-Mac fan, and when he was in the first time, because I think he's done it a couple times in the All-Star game, but the first time that he threw it off the glass over that dude's head and caught it and dunked it, like I was wilding out when I saw that because I, I loved that moment. And then he started doing it in games. That's what was crazy. Like he broke it out in the All-Star game, and we're like, oh, okay, that's All-Star game stuff. Then he started doing it in real games. He was like, that's still effective. So that was the first time I'd ever seen something like that. I remember going bonkers for that, so that was probably – my biggest kind of singular moment um, for an all-star game. But there's a lot of different things, like kind of more like what you were saying, where like more of a back and forth. Um, I think there's a lot of those moments, but I was thinking of like one play. Uh, that's the one that kind of comes to my, my mind. All right, I appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, we're going to go ahead and, and watch this all-star game. I'm, I'll probably be live tweeting that because I just want to like to have a little fun with the all-star game. There'll be some dunks and some, some shenanigans. So uh, I appreciate you guys joining us. 
we'll holler at you next week. We're going to have some superlatives for the midway season um, and hopefully have some more coaches throwing hands so we got some more things to, to come your way and more entertainment. So I appreciate you guys joining us. Follow us on social media, and you guys have a good week. Thanks for listening to the Media Timeout Podcast. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports and visit our website, MediaTimeoutSports.com, for more content.